Hey everyone, this is Helene and this is coming from my heart. And you guys are probably wondering, hmm, this sounds like a little bit of a different intro because it is. And I want everyone to get really excited because my partner in crime, Alexandra, is uh, hanging with us right now. How's it well, going, Alexandra? The other part of the podcast is finally here and the dynamic duo is back Hi, guys. I feel like I haven't spoken to everyone in so long, so I hope everyone's doing well. And you know how it goes for those of you in school. Got crazy. So back to be, I'm happy to be back speaking to all of you and, of course, my mom. And it was Mother's Day this past weekend. Yeah. Well, all I have to say is we're happy to have you back. I don't really think that you really went anywhere, although you may have not been here physically. I, of course, always spoke of you to you. Most of my introductions with our guests and so forth, I think I was always referencing the we of the pronoun instead of I, because of course, this podcast is ours and you've been busy and crazy with school and just trying to get through some stuff. So of course I was steering the ship, but you were always there steering it with me. So just know that from my heart to yours. Well, I was like the person posting all of the all of your episodes. Yes, you were. That's what I I'm was, saying. I was the magic behind the post. You, well, yeah, and I think that that's why and how this podcast has evolved because both of us always have a, you know, have an interest in making it the best it possibly can. And the fact that you know you physically were not present, of course, you were definitely behind the scenes. I think we both wear many hats and contribute, you know, so much to this. So anyway, so I just have to say thank you for being here and I'm excited to have this conversation with you. So let's talk about are mental you, health. Mom, are you interviewing me right now? Cause I feel, <laughs> I feel like you're, you're in charge and I'm just the guest. First off, I said it was mother's day. So people probably want to know what we did. So we posted this past weekend, but if you didn't check it out, my mom and I spent, what was it, Saturday together and celebrated the fact that we are both fully vaccinated, which it's crazy to think that, you know, within less than a year, a vaccine, well, multiple vaccines came out and like life is coming back to what it was. And we're just both so grateful and thankful. And I love spending our day together. Yeah, it was really, it was really, really, really fun. And I think, you know, it's interesting, you, you know, you talked about, of course, it was the day before Mother's Day. And honestly, I'm just going to say this as an aside, moms and dads and family members do so much, right? And I find it so very interesting that that particular Sunday was designated to Mother's Day. And I feel like I'm my dad with, you know, let's Google that. Let's find that information out. Why, why that day? And why specifically is there a Mother's Day? But, you know, it's really about honoring people in your life. And I know that you would completely get this all the time. You know, I mean, and I think that often holidays, and I would try to always explain this to my international students, that it's, it's a marketing holiday. It's a holiday where a lot of people make a lot of money with cards and flowers and all the other things that go with it, which is really, it's beautiful and it's nice to have that acknowledgement. But I also just think that, gosh, just honor your mom on another day or just honor her all the time or honor each other. So what do you yeah. think of that? Honor each other, especially after this year and what we've been. And I think this Mother's Day probably held more significance than others in the past with a lot of people and families and friends reuniting. I definitely think it was 
it was probably the first time that a lot of people saw each other in over a year. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. So on that aspect, yeah, I would totally agree with that. But I just feel that, you know, with holidays just in general, and maybe, maybe, not maybe, but definitely what you just said is that holidays have been skewed a little bit just because of the pandemic, because everything is just sort of upside down or whatever it was is different. And the fact that, of course, family members couldn't get together to see each other. And you are right. It may have been moments where people actually did, you know, whatever, reunite their sort. So, right. yeah. But then also, too, and just like in the general scope of things, and we'll get into mental health in just a second, because I, I know you're itching at it. But before we get to that, I just also think that holidays in general, like it, it makes you take a step back to think about like what's important. And I think you know, the American society, and we both have talked about this so much, just like American society has always been work driven and all about like independence and our culture is so fast paced that when we all did go through the pandemic and, you know, are coming out of it, we didn't think about, it was maybe one more thing that you had to get through or something else that you had to do. And look, Mother's Day can be a difficult day for people that don't have the best relationships with their moms or have experienced loss or they wanted to be moms and they can't be. And I think that Mother's Day can be a day to honor yourself or be gentle with yourself, or it could just be connecting to a mom figure in your life and or appreciating whatever your family is, whether that be your friends or people that are close to you. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. Absolutely. Look, I lost my mom, you know, of course, seven years ago, you lost your Grammy and holidays are very, uh, they sting, you know, they definitely sting and they hurt in certain, not, not in certain aspects and lots of aspects. And that's why holidays in general are never the easiest for many, you know? Yeah. So, um, again, but I like the fact that you said that you can celebrate with your friends or a mom figure, someone in your life who represents someone who's just really special to you. Yeah. So that's a good way though, segue to talking about mental health, because, you know, when we're all on social media, sometimes you can feel left out and, you know, for someone that might've had a hard mother's day, that probably was really difficult. And so the focus of what we're going to talk about a little bit and get into is the pandemic was rough. The pan I feel like the pandemic occurred, but there was a second pandemic going on behind the scenes. And that was mental health. You know, so many people were affected in so many different ways, including myself, which I'll get into at another time, but it's too difficult to speak upon right now. But mental health is the second pandemic. It's not even an epidemic. It's a pandemic because everyone throughout the globe in some way, shape or form was affected, you know, in a small or significant way. And being that this is mental health month and we have had episodes and we'll continue to have episodes throughout this month. And, you know, of course the year we want to talk about like, okay, so you've been through this now, how do you move forward? Yes. Good point. How do you move forward? 
in general, I'm just throwing that out. It's, I think it's a very individual, individualized thing. I think that again, people who had a different perspective of the pandemic in general really did live their lives. You know, there's many people out there, depending upon, of course, which state, which state you lived in, didn't maybe, shall we say, were not as cautious, didn't wear maybe wear a mask as much as many others congregated with friends, maybe they were, if they were fortunate enough, they were still working, or if they were not virtual working, maybe they, of course, had to work in a store of somewhat. So they they didn't have the isolation, which we're going to get to in a moment, of many people who, who you know, completely did. And when you're isolated, of course, it brings on many different factors of mental health. But I think that the pandemic hit everybody in a very divisive way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when you, and then that's really swiping the globe because of course I'm just speaking right now, not just of course in the United States, but the, you know, the pandemic was, was a global situation and how people handled it in different places. But I like what you just said is that, okay, where do we go from here at this point where fortunately we are more than grateful to our administration for having this vaccine that we can now go out and live a bit live a little bit of more life you know i believe today there was news that came out about you know not wearing excuse me not necessarily vaccine not wearing a mask out in public the cdc came out with some things stating yeah. that but again i believe that that's really an individualized thing on how you personally feel. I know when I'm biking and you know, I'm always out there doing something, I can't ever sit still. I'm still gonna have my mask on and I've been double vaxxed and it'll be, I guess, into next week when I'm out of that window of waiting time. But I don't know, how do you feel? There's like, you know, like you said, there's different categories of people, whether that person is anxious and, you know, maybe had anxiety before the pandemic occurred or has, gotten anxiety because of the pandemic or, you know, someone has autoimmune illnesses and has really had to have isolation. And, you know, there's different categories of people and what we've been through. And I, I think though, to answer your question about how do we move forward is how to reclaim your power is looking at your own resilience and the fact that we, you have made it whether you feel like you couldn't get out of bed every day and you wore your pajamas all the time. And I feel like wearing real clothes will be definitely something that we all have to adjust to. Everyone's experiences vary, but the fact that you have made it through is just an accomplishment on your own. And you should just really be proud of where you're standing today and honor yourself. Yeah. Beautifully said. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, like I kept saying to, you know, to you guys, my family, like we're almost there, hang in. The vaccine is almost happening. And for so many people, you know, I'm thinking specifically, of course, in India, I'm going to bring that into the conversation and, you know, a little bit about what's going on in their population and their people that we are again, so unbelievably fortunate to have a vaccine countries like India, where people are literally dying in the streets or dying in front of a hospital where they just do not have enough vaccinations. I know that there's certain states in the United States, governors, that's what I was going to say, who are gifting. Yeah. Yeah. They're gifting vaccines to certain places in the world because clearly here, 
I mean, although there are, there definitely is a population that has not been vaccinated here in New Jersey. And, you know, you think, oh, everyone has, you know, has done their vaccines. No, not really. I mean, I think it's about to reference is that maybe a few months ago, it was more difficult to get a vaccine. And now you can go to your local CVS or you can go to a Walmart or you can go to Walgreens or to other places to get a vaccine. So it's, I guess the word I'm thinking is more readily available as compared to the past. So I just say, Kudos to this administration for bringing life back to so many people and so many generations of people out there. Yeah. So like sharing the wealth definitely with vaccines and we are vaccinated. And though there is vaccine hesitancy, we have to recognize that, that there is as much as people are going to get vaccines, there is still hesitancy for many reasons. But I will have to say, like, this is the scientific part of me talking right now. So, look, guys, I'm not a doctor, but I am a genetic student. And what I will say is what my allergist said to me, and I'm relaying what he said, is that sometimes people are hesitant given that this vaccine was made so quickly. But if you look in retrospect to the fact that this was a pandemic and the way that studies work is that they try, like if someone is doing a research project, right, they have to call participants in order to participate in that research study. But so many people were affected by COVID globally because it is a pandemic. And so they were able to obtain the data in a much faster way. And so there was no rush with this, whatever you want to call project to get the vaccine. And also they had prior knowledge because This is COVID-19, but there are and still are other coronaviruses. Like this is just a one type of coronavirus. And so I think we all have to just, you know, do your research, talk to your doctor, ask us questions, although we're not that qualified, but talk to other people about their experience. And look, we'll, we'll be honest that we were both a little bit hesitant at first too. Look, this is a new world. This is a new age. But my mom and I were talking about how we just feel thankful that we were able to give it, get it given that so many people we're not, and so many people passed away. And so let's circle back to, we got a little, I mean, not off topic because vaccines go hand in hand with the pandemic, but we both lived through the pandemic. Like what advice would you give to people and how do we break down the stigma of mental health? You talked a little about this in our Instagram live tonight with the advocacy director of Cora, Caitlin, she was on our previous episode, the sexual assault episodes, how do you move forward? Like what is reclaiming your power mean to you in regards to mental health? Are you interviewing me? I am. I'm taking <laughs> over. See, I flipped it on you. It's okay. Um, I feel well, like we're getting adjusted back to doing this together again. Yeah, absolutely. So all good. All absolutely. Good. So I guess what's the main focus of your question? Let me, let me, um, let me get that. Like, what does reclaiming your power mean to you in terms of, you know, you live through the pandemic and what does that mean to you or Mm. just in general about, because again, so many people went through struggles with mental health, anxiety, depression, and a lot of it was new and still is new for people to experience. Maybe people didn't have 
anxiety before and now they do because of whether you know you were socially isolated or you weren't in the best living situation you know a lot was out of our control okay so this is my response my response goes like this if i was asked this question let's say five years from now or 10 years from now or who knows into the future a 12 year old would come up to me and go, Hey, you know, I'm doing some uh, research and I have this project and, you know, I know that you and your family lived through the pandemic. What was it like? How did you survive? What was your coping mechanisms? And you know what? My response would be this caution. I proceed or have proceeded with caution. And I feel like that maybe is just a little bit of who I am. And I really believe that the pandemic in general is really a reflection upon people and their personality and who they truly are to their core. Because a person who may I, if I may say this, which I'm, you know, I don't, I'm pretty, you know, bold here with what I say, there's a lot of selfish people out there. There's a lot of kind people, but there's also a lot of selfish people. And I feel that the pandemic was really defining to a lot of people of who they truly were to their core. So with that said, the you know in the heat of the pandemic when it was just happening back in March and things were happening and they were saying to people to please, you know, wear a mask and be cautious and this and that, some took precautions, didn't socialize with groups, socially distanced, were cautious about wiping their food when they were going to a supermarket, you know, did everything that they should be doing, washed their hands. I mean, that was a whole big thing about washing hands. So it was, it was really about wearing a mask, socially distancing yourself, and just kind of doing that common sense things. And I was always neurotic, wiping everything down from the time you guys were small anyway. So a lot of that came very naturally to me. So again, back to what I'm, what I'm saying is I think there's, there's different types of human beings out there, globally speaking, where people who would be more cautious and others who are not. And also there's other people who care about other people. And people, you know, culturally speaking, maybe just didn't get that. That if I go out and I'm you know, socializing and then I meet at someone else, I could be spreading this. And that's why, unfortunately, the death toll, I mean, let's just call it what it was, it was, was horrific. And it was, it was something that you had to kind of pull away from a, a little bit because it was a lot of uh, talk about mental health. It, you know, it got a, a little bit to, they say, to your psyche when you see so many people who were perishing, who were dying, who were in a hospital hooked up to a respirator and family members couldn't get to them. So I'm circling back to, I proceeded with caution. I'm the type of person who, and I continue to be cautious. Yes, I was double vaccinated, but yes, I still will wear a mask. When the CDC says whatever they say, I'm going to take that information and I'm going to spin it in a way that I feel comfortable in my own life, with my own family, doing my own thing. So I really think that the pandemic was a cultural situation for many people, but it was also a personality thing on how people conduct themselves on a daily basis. There's people out there who really from day one, because our society, and we've spoken of this, is all about me. So they are what they were doing and what activities they were involved with. And then there were the other people who cared. So you had the carers and the non-carers. And I, you know, and that is something that 
is innately your own. Okay. And that was something that why the pandemic will never go away. The pandemic is never going to go away. Well, absolutely. What's going to change is herd immunity. And what's going to change is the fact that people are now vaccinated. But the reality is, yes, you can still get COVID. And I said this to you, when I got my vaccine, it wasn't like, what restaurant can I go to and what social situations can I now be put in? My thinking or my thought process is my family will not be in danger. They will not be in a hospital, God forbid, hooked up to a respirator, and they will not have to suffer the situation of an autoimmune disease. That's it. And that was me, but I am me. So back to the question, I'm proceeding with caution. Yeah. I definitely 100% agree with you that this pandemic really taught us that our social actions affect one another. And again, back to your point about cultural differences, absolutely. Like, you know, America is a me society. And so people still wanted to do what was good for them and people proceeded how they did. And other countries might be thought, well, yeah, I am healthy and I can go to the gym or I can go to a restaurant but how is that going to affect my grandma and grandpa, uncle and aunt? You get the picture. But absolutely. see, when you were talking about caution, I'm like ready to rip off the bandaid of caution and just live out the vax girls. <laughs> That's okay. And just like, I think for me personally, I have felt so trapped this year, of course, loving to do the podcast with you, but I'm sure that I did proceed with so much caution and now I'm just ready to breathe and like let off my mask a little bit. And just, I think that there is only so much caution you can do until a point where you feel crazy. And of course you have to do what's comfortable for you, but I think you need, you are able, so um, what I'm saying is you can live your life because you are vaccinated. And of course there is that chance of you getting COVID. Absolutely. But for me, the mental health aspect of not really socializing with people for over a year did its damage. And I really am just ready to be out in the world and be with people and have more of a life and just get back to, you know, maybe not what was normal, but at least feel the sense of comfort that you're with people. Because I think it's just a general reminder with this conversation that, yeah, everyone had maybe different experiences, but we were all united in this together, you know, and that's really like, I think that's the goal of why we all want to get vaccinated, or at least most of us. And this virus has made us come together, but in a different way to just survive. No, I I agree with all that. And I think that's why there's so many different opinions to your question or to my statement. Yeah, of course, to be cautious, but myself as well, to get back to normalcy, to see friends that I haven't seen, to be able to go visit my brother in Florida, to be able to not have to have that anxiety. And we'll talk about, of course, as we're referencing mental health, 
which is damaging. It's so, so damaging. And yeah. the year of isolation, we could just call COVID, you know, pandemic is the year of isolation. And that really messed a lot of people up in the head in so many different situations from people who are in, the, you know, in their elder years who were completely by themselves. And, and what is that? That to me is a death oh, sentence. That is yeah. just like the yes. worst thing in the entire world, because um, it goes back to what you and Susan talked about the lack of physical touch. The lack of touch was beyond difficult, I think, for people. And I think that you don't realize that how many social interactions you might have had just even throughout the day, besides, you know, get, hugging people like we are humans, like we're designed to, you know, like want to hug and want to embrace. And that's why I think you and other people just there's this, it's like reoperating how your nervous system works in a sense, because it's like, if you've been by yourself so long, or you've been only with like a cohort of people for so long, how do you then go back and feel comfortable to interact with people. Well, yeah. And that is, that's exactly what my next point was, is that now, you know, coming out of the, well, I wouldn't say coming out of the pandemic, going into another phase of the, of the pandemic and having the vaccination is the angst of interfacing with other people. And it's weird. Oh, and it's we've, definitely we've spoken weird. of that. It's, yeah. You kind of get this like, anxious feeling like maybe you're in a store. I mean, of course, people are still wearing their mask. I mean, hopefully people still will continue to do that. Yeah, it's that this sort of, I get like a little pit in my stomach, like, oh, I don't know. Or, you know, when you were walking on the sidewalk, have to jump to the other side because people yeah. are coming near me. And then, you know, you see even like beer commercials where, you know, the, the two guys have their mask and the one guy's scaling the wall. I forgot, I think it was whatever company, <laughs> what, I'm not promoting I'm beer, like whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think that there's going to be this immersion of like people peeking their heads out like these, you know, you're a turtle and you're sticking your head out again to be like, is it okay? Is it safe to go out? Oh, yeah. I don't know. So yeah. I think that's actually going to be something that has to now be learned for yeah. many. Kids are different. And I'm just going to talk about kids for a minute. Oh my gosh. How resilient are kids going Kids because this? kids don't know what they don't know. They know what their parents have told them. They wear a mask because mom and dad or whoever in their life is telling them to do so. And now if they were told not to wear a mask, they don't wear a mask. They don't have any of this pre-stuff. They don't have the experience. They don't have the schema to know any differently. And that's really the beauty of being a kid in that respect. So, you know, again, everyone going through the pandemic, referenced it so so differently so absolutely differently depending upon and also let's talk about the socioeconomical situation too where the pandemic hit so many people people were you know the joblessness restaurants went out of business you know all those situations that we knew but also on a positive because i do always try to shine the light on the positivity is finally healthcare workers and doctors and people that are there out there on the front lines finally got recognition, which is completely insane that a pandemic would have to, you know, come into our life, into our world for these people to have some acknowledgement. You say, God, it had to take a pandemic to do that, right? No, absolutely. But going back to your point about socioeconomic, you know, that of course, like people losing their jobs, that really affects people's mental health because, you know, 
it goes back to survival. How are you going to feed your family? How are you going to eat? You know, where are you going to live? Circling back to what you talked about with India, you know, the ability, and I saw this on Instagram and I really, it was from an Indian doctor and I wish I knew this person's name, but the ability to social distance and wash your hands and have clean water and all the stuff that goes with trying to stay safe from COVID, that's a luxury. And a lot of people have that and are fortunate and maybe don't think about the set, you know, I can turn on water and I can wash my hands and I have hand sanitizer. So that in itself, like, it's like goes back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you guys know what that is, it's like each level is a, a thing that you have to fulfill, but like, you know, having income and money and job, that's also, that affects mental health and doctors and nurses while of course being recognized, they went through their own stuff, having to, they were literally on the front lines, seeing the pandemic in a way that we will never see. And we just have to thank them. So yeah, yeah I think the mental health aspect is, it's not one thing, it's just so many. No, absolutely. And of course, mental health was very much apparent, even of course, before the pandemic. And I feel that did it come on the map more, as they say, because the pandemic brought it to such, you know, I use the word fruition, because there was just so many more people going through a series of isolation. And also, of course, the financial situation could have brought on a lot of mental health situations as well. There were yeah. so many different factors to it. But mental health has been a crisis for a real, I mean, you know, I just want to emphasize that, that, you know, it's been a, it's been a crisis for quite some time. The only problem is that often it was not completely acknowledged. I wouldn't say it was ignored, right. but I would say it wasn't as acknowledged. Well, and yeah. The fact that it's Mental Health Month, and I was just, you know, talking to Caitlin on our Instagram Live, which I'll talk to, talk about in a moment, is that, gee, it's only one month for mental health that we're acknowledging it, or gee, it's only one month for sexual assault, you know, the month of April. Like these platforms should be a continuous of conversation. You know, people shouldn't attach to it because it's in a certain month and like, hey, let's talk about it. It should be acknowledged all the time. And I, I mean, I said this before about, about mental health. Mental health is your physical health. Mental health is your health. You know, your mind needs to have as much support as if, as if you broke a leg or an arm. You know, if I you broke it. an egg I or an it. arm, you know yeah. that, right? Yeah, I really love that you say that. And I didn't mean to cut off, but I really like that point because, and I think that in our earlier episodes, my mom, I have like a library in my head where I keep track of all the episodes. And my mom's like, how do you know all the episodes? And like, I do. Naz talked about this with, mm -hmm. with, with us about, cause she started Heartbroken Anonymous. And if you That's don't right. you check that out, it's a support group for people that are heartbroken, whether, and this is exactly speaking to what my mom is talking about. It's it, 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 your brain while it's basically form, it's also malleable and it has neuroplasticity. And my mom's going to be like, Oh, she goes, there she goes talking about science, but talking to your point with anxiety and like depression and anything that is related to your mental health, um, speaking upon like you're saying a broken arm and so forth, or that rather it's like the same pain as a broken arm. Like, yeah. I mean, back to what I was saying about if your arm or your leg was broken, you would get a cast and you would try to, you know, mend it and go to an orthopedist and right. have it fixed. Mental health, 
is very, shall we say, it's handled differently as a young person growing up in a family where, you know, Caitlin was just stating that when her family, it was more like a situation like, oh, you know, you'll be fine, kind of like suck it up, but not really acknowledging what she may have been going through. And that might be for a lot of people that, you know, you feel differently or you're processing differently and you're having thoughts of just really, you know, not just negativity, but extreme thoughts maybe, which are leading to depression. And they should be acknowledged. And so often they're not acknowledged. I think that now slowly society is more open to discuss bipolar and other, you know, such and anxiety or depression and things like that. Even suicide. Yes, of course. And even suicide. And, you know, I remember when I was teaching elementary school and I remember the therapist that worked there, the psycho- school psychologist used to say, the most important thing during the day is not all the agendas and the curriculum and all the other things the school wants you to do. It's when a child is either cutting themselves or is having suicidal thoughts that needs to be acknowledged now. And I feel that, you know, part of, let's say, you know, suicidal situations or maybe depression or maybe anxiety is really could be a factor of our society, not to blame our society completely, but we live in this very fast paced world of the, of, of what goes on and, you know, and social media specifically for kids is completely detrimental and we all know it's this plastic world, but we all seem to, not we all, maybe some are not as attached to it than others. So, I mean, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but when I was talking to Susan Zim, she was saying that her kids do not go on social media, that there's this trend. I mean, I don't know if it's specifically in certain areas of California, because they seem to always be the trendsetters, that it's almost like um, a certain age group that, I don't know if it's 11 through 14 or whatever it is, that they are just banning social media. They don't want anything to do with it and they're not going on it. So, I mean, honestly, that's something to be looked upon as a soci- you know, in sociology, like, oh, okay, well, look, this group of kids have decided to take this upon themselves. So without getting off topic and circling back to mental health, I really believe that mental health is your health. It's something that should be absolutely discussed in the 12 months and not just in the month of May. And yeah, that's my take. Well, going back to your point about like, with your discussion with Caitlin about maybe her family not recognizing her signs and kind of just pushing it under the rug or whatever the expression is. It's like from an educational point of view, we're not given the tools to know and like look for the warning signs. And there's so many textbooks about, well, if you have this disease, you know, what's the physical symptom? You know, kids need to be taught as a part of their health curriculum. And we talked about this with Zane in our earlier episodes back in the summer that like your point, mental health is your health. And we need to know what are the, if you want to call it warning signs, how do we cope? And that is why, because we're not given the tools to know what to do. And because still therapy is so stigmatized or going to a life coach. And some people may not even know what a life coach is in certain parts of the world or the country we're, we're just supposed to like be fine and be okay. And it's not okay. You know, it's just as important, like you said, as going to 
you know, a yearly checkup with your pediatrician. Well, you know, yes. And when you go for that annual or not annual, depending on your situation, as you go to a pediatrician with your child, that the mental component, and I remember from when you guys were little, it was never discussed no. ever. It was more, it was, about, it was about getting the vaccines. It was about your health, the mental component. No, never discussed ever. And then I think about, you know, the curriculum that's in the schools when I was teaching schools, not so much really in the health area, I don't really think. But I also think you touched upon, you know, a therapist or a life coach. Honestly, Alexandra, a lot of people just don't have the money or they don't, you know, they don't have the money. They don't have the proper insurance to get a proper therapist to, to support them. They also may be in a position that they don't understand, not understand, they don't know where to go to get these resources if they're not in a financial position to do so. And honestly, sometimes people look upon the schools like there is a school psychologist or, you know, some a counseling area to support that. And that's actually when I was talking to Caitlin, we talked about caps at many schools that would support anything going on with a college student. But I'm just talking about even with like the little ones, you know, in in kindergarten when, you know, they may be upset because they're not included in the group. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. you know, and then, you know, it could be looked at, oh, the, that's how children are, but maybe, no, maybe not. Oh, maybe that yeah. child's having an issue socializing or maybe his socialization at home is not where it should be. Or maybe the kid, the child never was in a social situation and this is his first experience. So I just think it's so, um, if I really would state my take on mental health, it's a multifaceted situation or it's a multifaceted platform where everybody has their own narrative. I think I was actually talking a lot about that with Caitlin when we were talking earlier on Instagram live, everyone has their own narrative in their head when they say mental health, what does mental health really mean to you? Well, I, I like that because it does have a different meaning going back to what you're talking about, the little kid not being included, things that happen during your childhood are so formative of your mental health and your limiting beliefs about who you are and how you look at the world and our bestie iffy, right? Tries to change that narrative. You have to listen to that episode last week. It was, it was amazing. It was like one of our best episodes and she'll be on coming up soon. But anyway, she Um, if you didn't listen, just brief synopsis is that she has this star with different, like positive affirmations, like I am strong, I am confident, I am brave, whatever. But really, you know, speaking upon what you guys talked about, what you say to yourself really does influence not only the way you feel about yourself, but especially if you're going through something difficult or you're trying to heal or you're trying to go over, get over something, you know, your mind has a lot of power over what you feel, how you, you know, and how you operate. And the, the mind body connection is so critical and so real. And after going through a period of really difficult times this past semester, I really understand what that means because like I was saying before, 
your central nervous system and your peripheral nervous system is all interconnected. Well, your central nervous system is connected to your brain and then your peripheral nervous system. So the rest of your body. And so the way that our body operates is in two different states, you know, whether we're in flight or fight mode, which is your sympathetic nervous system or your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your calm response. And so what you think activates how you feel. So you can activate that stress response by thinking, oh my God, this and that, and have all this negativity. And maybe if you've been through a hard time, I know that, you know, sexual assault survivors sometimes feel physical pain, or if you've been through something traumatic, you feel physical pain. But if you can activate a part of your brain that says, like what if he says about giving yourself good thoughts, you really have the power to change how you feel just because of the chemicals and your makeup and how our body operates because we are, you know, evolutionary beings and it goes back to like the caveman days. And I just wanted to get that in because I don't know if a lot of people have made that connection and I, and I did, and I just wanted to let everyone know that. Okay. I think that was beautiful what you said. And I'm glad you did say it. And what I'm thinking right now is this, and it's something kind of simplistic as far as just a kind of a freeze. And I was jotting this down on a piece of paper when you were speaking, you don't, you don't know until you're in it. Wow. Yeah. You just don't know. You don't because unless you, it's like, excuse me, it's like anything in life, unless you actually are or have experienced the situation you have no recollection. It could be a disease, God forbid, it could be anything, a catastrophe, a loss, whatever. Until you actually are going through it yourself, you couldn't even you know, fathom what somebody else is going through. And what I think about regarding mental health is this, what I was going through a year ago and I'm dealing with it and, and, and my, you know, my own package, which everybody pretty much knows about and dealing with vertigo and whatnot is that it, you know, from the outside, you look fine. Oh, you look fine. You look great. Nothing's happening, but in the inside, clearly there were a lot of things happening. And that to me is what mental health is about because you can't see it within someone you can't you can't acknowledge something that you can't like physically look at that looks different oh that person looks fine and see that's the issue with mental health when people commit suicide or are in a depression because they have many different faces that they present they are presenting themselves in a way that they know will be socially acceptable you know i unfortunately when i was working in my college and you know, this had a student who committed suicide and he was in my class and there was absolutely no signs of anything that I would have ever looked at as a red flag because they hide it. And that's yeah. my point without yeah. getting into great detail with that is that mental health is hidden quite, quite well, and it's quite discreet. So that's yeah. my point of what I wanted to say. But again, you don't know it until you're in it. Wow. I really love that. I really do. And so what we can do, you know, to help, you know, others, maybe you don't know if someone is going through something, you know, if you haven't heard from a friend or a family member in a while, maybe it's like, they don't have that. Maybe they're just too energetically drained to reach out, or maybe they feel hopeless and helpless. And, you know, a simple text of like, 
hey, how's it going? How was your day? Just checking in, like, how are you? It can mean a lot to a person. And just holding space for someone to speak about their issues, you know, maybe it is a really heavy topic and you can say to them, although of course therapy might not be free, but if they have the means to go to therapy, like, Hey, I'm here for you. I'm holding space for you, but maybe this is something you need to talk about with someone and just being there for someone and showing up. It doesn't, again, we're still like in that weird phase of the pandemic, but like a zoom call, FaceTime, a simple phone call, it's just it can showing up for someone in in times of darkness means more than you really know. And I think that's an awesome way to wrap it. I love yeah. the part that you just said. Show up. Yeah. Definitely show up because show up. show up. You know it. You know it. You so know mom, it. since the Instagram lives were your idea, sure. do you want to like tell people what's going on every week? Sure. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Yeah. I got a little promotional stuff going on here, Alexandra. I feel like I'm, it is our podcast. We can promote whatever we want. We can. Okay. So listen up guys. I'm excited to say that. Yes, it was my idea. I believe I was chatting. My mom is trendy guys. (laughs) I was chatting with my new bestie, Ify Thomas, who is just this awesome, amazing person. She is this confidence coach that I be, you know, we just fell in love with each other through a mutual friend who we love to AJ get your shine and yeah we were like hey you want to do an Instagram live oh that sounds so cool so now it's kind of evolved into she's going to hop on board with us probably once a month or twice a month but I'm going to keep keep it going probably on Thursdays at 7 p.m that's you know what we're aiming for of course Alexandra or I will be posting a little bit about that you know exact time exact day guests and so forth but look for it on a Thursday at seven most probably and from week to week, what we're going to be doing is whoever that guest will be, um, of course, when they're airing on Friday, we will be hopefully having that conversation with them on Thursday, if they can hop on board with us this way, they can talk a little bit about their episode, or maybe if they're not available, we'll just talk about their episode, but there'll be some type of, you know, press, if you want to call it that before the episode actually airs to get everybody really excited and so forth for our Friday airing, which let me back up for a second episodes air on Fridays at 6am because Alex, who is our wonderful sound engineer has gotten that going. So if you are an early riser, you can, you know, check it out. I also just wanted to mention, I think I said in the beginning about um, our, excuse me, our mental health episode, which is going to be, of course, recorded on May 20th, but it will be airing on May 21st. And I will uh, chat, chat a little bit in a moment. I'm going to tell you, I'm just looking at my notes here. We got Humble You Media coming on. We have Positive Vibes Magazine. We have Living Well with Robin Stoloff. These are some amazing, great people that I've collaborated with, with our sexual assault webinar, and they're going to come on with their different guests. So basically, It'll be a webinar style that will be airing again on the 21st with a total of four podcasts, of course, um, coming from the heart. We're hosting everybody doing this. I'll also be talking to specific guests that I have um, reached out to. One is AJ from Get Your Shine. Um, I have Ify, of course, Ify Thomas, who's a confidence coach coming from London. We have Susan Zinn, who is a therapist. She's a psychotherapist and does a lot with trauma. We have Yoni and Beyond, and we have Aisha, who's going to come on and talk a little bit about the spiritual component. Let's see. I got Normanda 
from Western Kentucky, who is a wonderful person. She is a trauma coach. She came on and talked to us a little bit about sexual assault. And I also have a woman, um, her name is Josette, and she is from California. And she is also going to talk a lot about her journey with MS and so forth. And she is actually a Zumba instructor. So those are the people that we kind of have as a lineup for guests for this mental health webinar. And from, you know, as we proceed from you know, May into June, we're probably going to come up with some other platform of some sort. Alexandra knows that my mind never sits still. And uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So most people after the vaccine, they say the technician is like, rest, drink a lot of water, take a Tylenol. If you don't feel well, my mom's out biking the next day. Okay. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. What person <laughs> does that? Like, what person does that? I, 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 I'm, I'm in school finishing up finals, and this sounds like a teacher lesson plan with all these people coming on. So, look forward to that next week. Yeah, it did sound a lot like that, but I just wanted yeah. to make sure that yeah. everybody got yeah. a shout out. So I got AJ, I got Ify, Susie, Yoni, Normanta, and Josette, and. I laugh because I kept saying to Alex, of course, our sound engineer, Alex, I'm not going to have a lot of people come on, you know, sexual assault. There was a lot of people, but I couldn't decide. I was going to have three people and then it became like, I don't know, seven or something like that. So anyway, but I think it's going to be, it'll be good. It'll be extremely powerful. And of course, you know, our, our friends of our other podcasts, Humble You, Positive Vibes and Living Well with Robin, they're coming on with some powerful guests. So I am just, so what's the total here? How many people? Alexandra, I just go with it, honey. I don't know. We're you know just... what? You <laughs> it will be a surprise for me too when I hop on. It'll Absolutely. be like Grammys, whatever. They have 20 Zoom screens. Like I'm gonna hop <laughs> on and be like, hi. <laughs> They'll be like, oh yeah, hi. Like your mom's great. We've met her. I'm like, okay, like let's just do it. So that'll yeah, be yeah, yeah. that'll be next. It's, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be uh, recording on the 20th and actually it'll air on that Friday, the 21st. So, yeah, yeah, so that's yeah, I wanted to get it in, you know, of course, for mental health months to make sure that, you know, we were in that that window. Also, I just wanted to mention, too, about Jake Goodman coming on yeah. too. you know, he actually is this he's a doctor. And he has his MBA and he has been so gracious. So he's going to hop on board, I believe, on the 18th and do a uh you know, an episode with us. So we'll talk more about that. Mental health month will kind of continue into June with all these episodes. Yeah, absolutely. And then coming up also like on the 24th, I'm going away guys. So uh, we're trying to get all these episodes in, but don't worry, I will still be able to record with where I'm going. So on the 24th, we're recording with, I'm sure if you guys are a foodie, you know who I'm talking about. Jeremy Jacobowitz, formerly known as Brunch Boys. He's coming on to talk about his mental health journey with weight loss. He used to work for Bobby Flay. Now he's a video content creator among a lot of other different things. So we have like a lot of different guests. And back to the point of this whole episode is that everyone goes through their own mental health journey in such different ways. So yeah. 
Excellent. Excellent. I know lots of really great stuff coming, Alexandra. And of oh, yeah. course, you know, this summer you're, you're, you're going away and you're taking, you know, some time, but you will definitely be connecting with us virtually. Like the world is always virtual anyway. So you'll yeah. be popping on. I'm so we're excited. Absolutely. And as we progress through the summer, you know, we're just going to keep it going with different guests, different platforms. And we're just really excited about that. So okay. yeah. Any, now else? I will give my spiel. Right. Go ahead. Our goal. Okay. So we're all about manifesting and with Iffy being our new best friend. And of course, Kim K Adams, we are manifesting and putting good out there. And so we want to be on the top charts. And the only way that we're going to be on the top charts is if you guys help us. So please, even if it's like, oh, because we asked you, we'll still be appreciative. Go on Apple Podcasts and write us a review, give us a five stars. You know, I think our podcast is really special and I might be biased, but there's not a lot of mother-daughter duos out there. So we talk about so many different things and I know that so many different people will connect to us. And the really the reason why we started this podcast in the beginning was because, well, I listened to podcasts when I was at school and I always felt like I was just hanging out with friends. And I know that my mom and I could help do that, do the same for you guys. And I think, you know, at some point we have to tell people like the real story of like what happened, but I feel like this has been a long enough episode, so we'll cut it short here. But, you know, post on social media, post on your Instagram stories, text your friends if you like the episodes, like let us know. We really want to cultivate like a large community of people because we just want people not to feel alone. And so that's really our goal. So like, subscribe, rate, review, all the good things. Follow us on Instagram at coming underscore from the heart podcast. We're on Twitter at CFTH podcast at CFTH podcast, Facebook coming from the heart podcast. We're going to get a YouTube channel up for you guys to watch all the videos. Mm -hmm. We announced that our website yes. is being launched at the end yes. of the month. You yes. can listen to all of our episodes. You can click the link in our Instagram bio. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and anywhere else you stream your podcasts. Oh, yay. You missed that, right? Mom? I did miss you that. Did and it. actually, yeah, I've been promoting without you. So I, I, I got it all going. But, you know, it's nice you to hear you do you it. You might have heard my voice and I was like this ghost that came back you know okay you're like not a ghost okay so this is what i want everybody to do get ready for this i would like you to sit back relax and enjoy the instagram live with caitlin she of course is from cora walk with dignity have a wonderful weekend everybody love you xoxo helene so we're back with Caitlin. So welcome to our Instagram live. Um, thanks for whoever's joining just to say hi. Um, I'm going to take it away. Let you take it away. Shall I say Caitlin? Um, again, this is take two. If anyone checked us out at 2 p.m. Sorry about that. We were just idly chatting here about our glitches. I think it is the world of technology. Even the best of best, I say Zoom, I mean, best of best, what I was about to say is CNN has issues with Zoom and all these other places. So I feel like I'm just part of that, all that. So Caitlin, introduce yourself once again and tell everybody a little bit about you and so forth. Yeah. All right. Hi, everyone. My name is Caitlin. Um, I just graduated from Penn State last week. Woo! Yes. Um, 
I'm joining from the Walk with Dignity Cora account. Cora is a um, new nonprofit. We support survivors of sexual assault in the hospital. And I am the advocacy director. So that means that I work with the survivors directly. I do my best to support them and get them to share their stories if they want and help them take control of their narrative again. Um, Great, great. I'm just gonna talk about mental health. (laughs) Again, I'm so happy to have you, you know, do this um, Instagram Live because, of course, this is Mental Health Month. Um, as you mentioned, we did the sexual assault with you back in April. Uh, we had a back-to-back episode with that. So if anyone out there has not yet checked that out, please do so because, of course, April was sexual assault month. And, of course, May is, is the mental health component. So it's sort of like we bridge these two different platforms back-to-back, just actually by coincidence. I don't know if that was really purposely planned, but well plans. Um, And Caitlin has been so nice and kind to come on and just chat a little bit about, okay, hello, Um, chat with us a little bit about mental health, because um, I know in my world and going through the last year of COVID, and we talk so often with so many different guests that come on here. Um, Everybody out there can check out our feed, of course, at coming underscore from the heart podcast on Instagram. And of course, check us out on Spotify and Apple podcasts and anywhere else that you get your streaming. We're all advertising there. And um, yeah, it's just, it's, I quite, I mean, how do I, how do I verbiage this? I believe that mental health is really at an epidemic right now really in the last year and i feel that the silver lining because i always feel like i try to spin the positivity of situations going on that's just my personality and who i am that people are people the general public is finally taking note that this is something that we need to pay you know pay attention to mental health is your health it's part of how your body operates it's as if your arm was broken you'd have to go and figure out how to get a cast or a splint to fix it the same thing goes on with your brain. And I feel that hopefully a lot of the stigma of mental health or what mental health is about is finally going to go away a little bit. And I think that's just really about us having our voices out there. I think it's also about maybe more influencers talking about it. I mean, I'm not that I'm pointing to influential people because all types of people suffer from mental health, but I think that when a Hollywood star has an issue, then all of a sudden people are like, oh, well, wait, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe it's okay to feel the way I've been feeling. So I'm going to let you continue with what we were talking about earlier, of course, when we were briefly interrupted with the Wi-Fi issues about your journey and your story. So you can just, you know, talk a little bit about that. All right. Um, so to give you a little background, I've been struggling with depression since I was about 13 or 14. But I hid all of my negative feelings because I was raised in a family, a community, a school district that just didn't talk about mental health. It was basically just like, are you sad? Don't be. Like, it just wasn't something that people talked about. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. I like like that statement because I think that's so defining. I think it has so much to do with the culture of where we are in the United States. What do you think? Oh, for sure. For sure. Like I'm in a very small farming community oh. and it, it's kind of like everyone knows your business. Uh, so it's uh, like if you're having a rough time. Everyone's going to know. <laughs> so. Okay. So basically what I think what you're trying to say is that you kind of had to use the, if I may use the expression, suck it up and just be happy even when you were not. 
So yeah. would you would you say so? Would you say that was the situation more or less growing up in that world? I think for sure that's how it was. It was very much a suck it up sort of thing. Um, I have three older brothers, so being the youngest and the only girl, I was always like too emotional, you know? Uh. And I think I I'm just gonna say I love my parents. My parents are my biggest supporters. Oh, yeah. But that's okay. When they were, yeah, but when they were raising me, when I was getting really sad for no reason, they were kind of like, "Oh, it's just because she's a girl. Like she's more emotional than our sons. Where it's fine, but like knock it off, you know?" Mm. No. And it was, yes, exactly. I understand that because that's probably how they were raised as well. Like they were raising you how they were raised. I don't know if they grew up in that same type of a community as well, but um, you were never, I'm not saying never, but it was hard to show you were true of what you were feeling based on that. But also girls sometimes, you know, stereotypical, oh, the girl's upset. Guys get upset too, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah, but so that's how your parents, I guess, were handling your situation, more or less. More or less, yeah. Oh. Yeah, And it wasn't until I was about 16 or 17 when I started getting like intrusive thoughts where I was like, okay, like this, this feels weird. This doesn't feel right. Mm. But when I tried to open up to some of my friends about it, it was kind of shrugged off as one of those teenage, like, oh, everyone hates their life when they're a teenager thing. Like, yeah, you're sad. That's because like your dad was mean yesterday or something, you know? Yeah, sure. I understand that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So it wasn't until I got to Penn State my freshman year that I actually started getting help, mm. but I'm sorry to say that I didn't get help right away. I felt horrible right away. When I moved into my Penn State dorm, I describe it all the time as just like a death sentence. Like, just like staring around this small room that I was supposed to share with a stranger. I didn't see how I can make it to tomorrow, let alone four years. Wow. Wow. I guess it's in my mind, maybe some people out there are thinking the same thing, you know, coming from a small town, coming from a small environment, not ever exposed to the collegiate world. Did you have any reference point of what college and dorm life or any of that was like prior to getting there? nothing outside of like media and like what they show you on college tours like i knew that i yeah <laughs> i knew that i'd be in a small room with a stranger but it's not until i was like thrust in that situation that i really understood like oh this is weird and i don't like this <laughs> got, it. got it got it okay no it's true because what with the media portrays like in a movie about a roommate or a situation i mean i'm just thinking about now with like social media as we know it uh, my son's in a position like you can choose your roommate. He's actually going to be random because I said, let's let's be like the old days. Like sometimes, you know, you even when you're meeting someone like let's say on Facebook through the Facebook page for the school, you don't really know this person. And sometimes from my experience, it's better just to be an acquaintance with that person anyway. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, as they say, when you look back. Um, it, what do you, would you think you would do anything different if like you now you, you, you know, four years later, you're, you're, you've evolved, you're this, you know, other person, you've gotten support with, you know, and I want to go circle back to your story in a minute, that you would give advice to someone in a situation like you going into a college experience, coming from a small town, what to do or not to? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's actually kind of funny you say that because I started mentoring some freshmen when I was a sophomore and just like helping them navigate things. And most of them were from situations like me where it's like a smaller community or like first generation college students. Wow. And the first thing I would all, I would always tell people two things to start. One, ask for help as soon as you need it, whether that's academic help. If you are sitting there in like your first week of classes and you're like, oh man, I really don't remember calculus. Ask if the professor will review with you. Like ask for help right away, no matter what the situation is. Absolutely. And that applies to mental health. You know, it's normal to feel homesick and anxious sometimes, but if it's like interrupting your life in any way, just ask for help because it's only going to get worse. Exactly. 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 Yeah. Cause I'm also thinking too from your situation and then of course giving advice to people that might be checking this out now too, is that, um, you know, it's okay to ask. I think people sometimes get a little bit, depending upon the culture that you're coming from. You know, I think that we're all sort of, you know, here I'm thinking about the United States. I'm thinking from the international perspective, you know, people are embarrassed or, Oh God, there's something wrong with me. But people have to understand that so many other people are having these situations as well. What do you feel that, you know? Oh, for sure. For sure. As soon as I started opening up about my experience, Mm. I realized how many people I knew were going through similar things. Right. And I I remember there was this one girl in my biology class that I thought was like the coolest person and I wanted to be her friend. And she walked in on me crying in like our um, student union building one day. I was just like breaking down. (laughs) And she immediately came over and she was like, hey, like, what's wrong? Like, Mm. you know, you want to talk about it? And as soon as I started talking about how I was feeling, she was like, oh my God, I've been feeling the same way. Like, we've got each other now. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, and I think that's such a beautiful thing that you just said, is that support. And I also feel that when you go through, if I'm backpedaling a little bit to when we were talking about when you first get to that dorm room and you're and you're sort of like thrust into this situation. You know, orientation, I mean, I, I've worked my colleges and so forth, so I can comment on this to say that, you know, they they don't really orient you. They give you the, you know, the tour of the buildings through the bookstore, some highlights. But, you know, if you're lucky enough, maybe you would have an opportunity to actually stay in a dorm prior to even getting to the college. I mean, certain schools do that or have like a buddy system and stuff like that. That would be, of course, advantageous, you know, just to feel that experience. But they don't really, um, I don't really think they give the resources. So you could comment on that as well. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, when I came to Penn State, we I did have the opportunity to stay over, but it was in an older building. Ah. And Penn State's a huge campus, so there's like five different sections that you can live in. Sure. And it was the section that I knew I wasn't living in. Ah. So I was like, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. this is going to be entirely different than how sure. my life is going to be when I actually oh, yeah. move in. Right. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, yeah. It's as you're speaking, I'm reflecting to Alexandra's experience as well. When she went for orientation and had to be in one space um, that was an older type dorms and stuff like that. I I think you get like a slight indication of that's during orientation. I'm talking when you, if you could actually go to the campus when the campus is in full swing and Mm -hmm. see really what's going on, like not this, you know, 
glossy picture of like what it's going on and you know and also interfacing with many different types of of ethnicities and different types of people so you know um also like what i wanted you to comment a little bit about your to share your story so from your experience of got, getting support with the mental health um department or what are they reference what is that called at, at, at penn state it's called CAPS, C-A-P-S, so it's Counseling and Psychological Services. Okay, so from there, if you want to just go on to say, like, a little bit of your experience with that. Yeah, um, I will say that people have a lot of different opinions of CAPS at Penn State. Mm -hmm. It's definitely too small of a system for a campus of 40,000 people. Okay. Like, there's not enough therapists available. There's always a backlog. Yes. That being said... My freshman year, I recognized that I was struggling within like the first two or three weeks of school. Okay. So I was able to get in and see a therapist right away because mm -hmm. I was like early in the right. terms of like the usual struggle. Okay, sure, sure. <laughs> so I had a great experience. I loved my therapist. I saw her for 15 weeks and it was probably the first time in my life where I like sat down with a stranger and just actually said how I was feeling. Amazing. And yeah. therapy is hard, but it's good. Yeah. <laughs> and I ended up going on antidepressants and I'm still on them. No shame. Okay, no. And I'm doing a lot better. Still have my days, but I really, yeah, I honestly don't think I'd be here if I hadn't gone to CAPS, if I'm being completely honest. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I guess, yeah, I mean, you know, your experience and where you are now and retrospectively looking back and, you know, the thing about mental health month, you know, I, I, I not that I laugh, but I feel like there should be more than one month that we're, we're obviously, you know, connecting to mental health, because as I was saying earlier about the struggles with people going through COVID, um, you know, obviously, the situation where people were, you know, getting quite ill and unfortunately were passing away and the tra tragedies and all that, obviously, from the illness when it first began last March, but also the mental health component, too, which really put people in such a bad situation, not being able to interface with, with friends or loved ones or not being able to be on a, on a college campus and so forth. You know, it's, it's been tough. It's been tough. Um, so, like, where you are right now, I mean, where do you feel that, you know, um, going through this year and you were on the campus, were you, were you virtual as well? I was home and virtual fall semester okay and then spring semester since it was my last semester i moved into an apartment all my classes were still virtual but i was five minutes from campus so i, I could like go and still like have a college experience exactly yeah alexandra you know was dealing with that at rockers too where she wasn't able to be on the campus and stuff like that so i guess the question is where do you where do you go from here meaning like okay so you're you graduated so what's what's the plan for Caitlin? Like as far as like your connection back to the organizations, um, of course, with mental health. Like if you want to just talk a little bit about that. Sure. Um, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't have that solid of a plan. I'm I moved home. I'm in my home. You can see baby pictures of I, me. Yeah. <laughs> um, here, yeah. And yeah, I'm doing my best to just sort of take it a day at a time right now because okay. I recognize that like I struggle a lot more when there's big changes around me because it's sort of like I have nothing to hold on to to like ground me 
Okay. But that being said, I am filling a lot of my time with like the work I do for Cora or the DMAX Foundation, which is a mental health organization. And I actually started a DMAX club on the Penn State campus. Oh, wow. And just to like give quick background about DMAX, it was started by the parents of an 18-year-old boy who unfortunately took his life because mm. even though he was able to talk to his family about how he was feeling, he didn't feel he could talk to his friends and just sort of felt like an alien. Mm. And he unfortunately lost his battle with those emotions. So his parents started the DMAX Foundation and make these DMAX clubs for the sole purpose of young people being able to talk to one another about how they're feeling. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, you know, you'll give that information on, you know, you'll send that to me and then people can check that out if they want to, you know, any, any other information. Um, is there any other organizations that you're connected to that you wanted to, you know, to mention? Um, I have a couple things that I'm trying to get involved in, but I don't think I can like say it yet because I'm not like actually involved yet, no, no, but I'm looking, yeah, I'm looking to get involved with, um, like animal rehab, that sort of thing, because my degree is in biology. Interesting. Interesting. You brought up animals. Um, you know, well, I'm trying to think of the, of the different, I have so many different conversations in my head. I had a conversation with a psychotherapist, Susan Zinn, and we were talking about what animals do. And we're talking about mental health. So of course we should definitely talk about animals and what animals do for a human and how the connection, because they just, they just want to love you. You know, we have my dog and I don't know if you have a dog, but you, you know, want to come, <laughs> want to comment on the animals, like what you, what you take. Absolutely. Yeah. Um... So I am a biology major. I love animals. You can hand me a snake and I'll be like, this is the coolest thing I've ever done. <laughs> right, right. Um, I do have two dogs and three cats. Oh my God. What? Busy household. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So yeah. unconditional love. Yeah. Unconditional yeah. love. Yes, yes. I mean, I'm also thinking back to Penn State and so, you know, anyone's checking this out now, you know, at different ca college campuses for support with mental health. They, they, I know they have times where they bring the puppies to the campus and that they do, you know, things like that. Um, any thoughts on that? Maybe, maybe that's, you know, your calling or something like that, you know? They did do that a few times and I went every time that I could. I loved it. There's something about being around animals and I mean, I could explain the biology of it, but I'm not going to go on a rant. That's okay. um, <laughs> yeah. There's just something about being around animals that lowers stress levels. Yeah. And I mean, who doesn't love to play with a puppy? I mean, come on. You don't have to walk. <laughs> you don't have to clean up after. You just get to go play with a puppy for That's 20 minutes. There's nothing amazing bad about that. <laughs> I was just on the beach. I saw this puppy running with this little boy. And then you're just like... Puppies and babies, you know, that, and it, and it definitely, okay, so let's talk the biology aspect. I feel like I'm talking to Alexandra. It le it, I would say it probably releases, as you pet an animal or you see an animal, some type of a dopamine, you know, we're getting back to our mental health and clearing our heads. Talk, you want to want to chat about that? Yeah. Sure. So depending on like your relationship with animals and just how you're feeling to begin with mm -hmm. seeing or petting an animal can release either dopamine or it can trigger the creation of serotonin but won't release it directly okay let's focus on dopamine dopamine is sort of like the happy uh, like, oh god this is so cute i love this like it's just sort of like the pure feeling oh yeah type of oh yeah it's like 
oh, chemical yeah. in your brain. Wow, amazing. So we, I think that our culture has to probably do more of that. I mean, I definitely think that there are um, dogs that su or support support animals and stuff like that you see on college campuses or just in life itself, you know, bring your dog to work day and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, getting back to mental health and, you know, um, as I say, we're having this collaboration actually on um, May 21st, we're going to be having an episode with um, three other podcasts that I'm excited to talk about. Yeah, we're having it with Humble, Humble You Media, um, Positive Vibes, and Living Well with Robin Stoloff. And in that segment, it'll be airing, actually we're reporting on May 20th, it'll be airing on May 21st, and we're gonna have all these different types of guests share different components of their platform with the mental health component. Um, so people can definitely check that out again. It's it's May 21st and you know we'll talk a little bit more about that. But when, when I'm also referencing that, I'm thinking about the therapist perspective or the spiritual perspective, all different types of, of perspectives on mental health. Because I think when you say mental health, it's this, it's this large umbrella. And then there's all these moving pieces and parts to it. And when you say mental health to someone, I think that they immediately reference something that they have in their head, their narrative of what, you know, mental health. So like if I said mental health to you, what pops into your head? Immediately you say mental health and I think of my depression and how I handle it. That's the first thing that pops into my head. Okay, okay. So if you don't mind to get a little bit personal, What's, what, what's a day in the life? Do you, do you exercise? Do you do yoga? Do you meditate? Like, what do you do to, you know, to make yourself feel better, really? So I am a very, like, artsy person. I love to paint and read and write. So I try to incorporate at least one of those into my day. Nice. Um, I will say these last couple of weeks have been so chaotic with graduating and yeah. moving that... Yeah. Mental health has been a little low. Yeah, but, exactly, exactly. Um, right. I did do yoga every day for about six months through a program at Penn State, actually. Okay. And I'm going to get back into that habit because yoga and, like, the meditation that comes with it and really focusing on how you feel in your own body, that was honestly, like, transformative to me. And I know some people are like, uh, you know, like yoga is a bunch of like hooey or whatever, but oh, it no. really made me focus in on my existence in a way that I never had before. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Alexandra's a big advocate of yoga and she, she teases me because I have my certain yoga poses, but I feel like whatever, if it's meditation or it's yoga, you don't have to get so caught up in the whole of, oh, I'm a yogi or, oh, I meditate or I, you kind of take it whatever works for you, you know, exactly. however respectively spin it um, and however it makes you feel better about a situation. And that's, and what I'm thinking also to now is about energy. You know, when I think about mental health, I think about not just your physical energy, but your mental energy, the ability to get up out of bed and do your thing. We are, we are definitely energy zapping people. So I say zapping, meaning you can take energy from other people. I see you smiling. So like, let me hear what your thoughts are on that. Um, so 
I am a very empathetic person, so I tend to absorb the moods of the people around me. Okay. So if people are sad or angry, I'm immediately in, like, fix-it mode because I, I'm like, oh, I don't like that feeling. Like, how do I get rid of it? And if everyone around me is super happy, then I'm like, oh, my God, this is such a great day. And right. it's... Okay. Yeah, and it's kind of weird being that type of person because I'll go from an environment like a classroom where everyone's stressed and then go get coffee with a friend. And it's right. like, I don't know how to deal with that transition. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, so when you were talking to some support people, therapists, et cetera, what, how did they tell you to deal with that? What did they say to you? So I really... They really emphasize that I need to focus in on how I'm feeling because I innately pick up on how other people are feeling. Exactly. But while focusing on other people, I sort of lose myself in the process. And instead of being like, oh, like, for example, if I'm at a funeral, it's like, oh, like this person's like grieving more than I am. Let's focus on them without ever acknowledging my own pain. It's that sort of situation. Just saying, yeah, I think, I think you're not alone, though, Caitlin. I think there's a lot of people who understand exactly what you're saying. And I, and I like what you mentioned about focusing in on yourself and for myself as well and for my immediate family members as, as well to really start doing that probably more. That, you know, just because someone is angry or pissed off or throwing their energy at you does not mean that you should absorb that. I, as I say, I deflect it, and I say, here you go, right back at you, because I'm in a great mood, and just because you're in a crappy mood, that, just, that mood is not going to affect me. If you want to be like that, then you just can kind of like go on your own. But that's easier said than done if you're the type of person that, you know, is absorbing. It's more like you have to put yourself in a little bit of a silo and say, you know, the most important person right now is me. I mean, it's, and it's not really being selfish. It's, it's, it's really taking self-care. And I really feel that that circles back to really what mental health is really about, is that you are actually caring about yourself. You know, I think that in society, when you're growing up, depending upon the type of family you're in, you know, you may take on a role of, 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 of the support, of, of kind of worrying about everybody else, and maybe that's not emphasized enough and that might be genderized too, to, to really worry about me. And it sounds selfish, because I still feel like you could be giving to others, but you definitely have to think about how am I gonna be able to handle this situation? And I look at it, of course, I'm a mom and I, I have all these different roles that I play, but it's really like, if you're not whole and you're not good, then how is that gonna affect everybody else around you? So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, one thing I always try to keep in mind, and I also try to tell this to other people, is you can't pour from an empty cup. If you keep pouring your energy into everyone without ever taking time to sort of like refill your own energy cup, you're going to just break down in one way or another. Maybe you'll crash and need to like take a nap for four days. Yes. Or maybe your depression will sink back in or any number of things can happen. No, absolutely. You, you really need to have like sort of this bubble around you sometimes that, you know, like that bad energies can bounce off of, like you were saying. Yeah, no, absolutely. And what do you think about, you know, um, just, you know, 
culturally speaking versus like, you know, I was thinking about like different countries and how they handle mental health and so forth. And we talked a little bit about that in the beginning. Um, do you think, what would be a suggestion for advocacy for mental health just in general? You know, in the year that, we, you know, we've, we talked about COVID in particular, people were isolated. People were, you know, in situations where they really were not seeing people maybe for days. You know, I think it affected um, all different types of generations in different in different situ in different scenarios. There's the word, like from the elderly who were completely isolated, and they didn't have the opportunity to see friends or interface with family. To to teenagers who were kind of cut off from that socialization. To you know to, to you know to every like I said, all different generations were were affected by that. Um, I don't know if there's this magic fairy dust that's going to sort of happen after the pandemic. You know, everybody wants to rip off their mask and you know they're anti no not anti wrong word they are double vax is what i was about to say but you still have to have caution of course in wearing masks and doing everything that we need to do but i think is there any suggestions that worked for you during this time period yes and you've actually kind of already said it take what works for you because like there's no one size fits all for healing from anything if you and I both break our arms in the same place in the same way, you might have a longer time healing than I do, or maybe I'll bruise more. Like exactly. everyone's different and we're all going to heal in different ways. This pandemic has been a sort of collective trauma for everyone everywhere because we've all been affected by it, but we're all going to recover in different ways. Absolutely. I might be able to go see my friends and immediately like have my spirits lifted. Other people might not be so lucky. Other people might still have to work from home and be isolated still. Oh, absolutely. You have to take what works for you when it works for you. Absolutely. And I add when it works because it can totally change. You might start doing yoga and love it at first, and then it might become a chore after a while. Don't push yourself to do it just because someone said it'll make you feel better. Take what works for you and everything else will sort of fall into place. I love that. Well, we kind of wrap this up. I don't know if you have any other thoughts about mental health and just anything else you want to say? Um, I talk about mental health a lot, so I could go on for a while. But to wrap it up, I would say to anyone watching this at any point in time, know that you deserve to be happy and to be cared for. And whether or not you think that you've been hurt enough, that you're sad enough to deserve help, you okay. always deserve help. If you tripped over your shoe, you still deserve as much help as if you tripped over a boulder. You Absolutely. always need a hand up and it's okay to ask for help. And Absolutely. if you need somewhere to start, I'm right here. So <laughs> always take care of yourself. Uh, you're the best, Caitlin. Yeah, that's, that's, that's so beautiful what you said. You know, and I really feel that people, you know, watching this Instagram live, of course, you know, in honor, or should I say, of Mental Health Month, but every month should be Mental Health Month. Vocals, voices should continuously be heard. You can, you know, of course, um, have people connect with uh, Cora, Walk With Dignity. Of course, they can always find us on Instagram. And of course, as I said at the beginning, on Spotify and Apple are our podcasts. And uh, this has been wonderful, and I'm so happy to have had you. And... Uh, yeah, we'll chat soon. I feel like our conversation is just a continuum of wonderfulness. So have a great night.
enjoy your journey of whatever's next for you. I believe you mentioned maybe grad school, but not yet. So take some moments. You worked really hard. Congratulations again. That's amazing to uh, be you. the first family too. As I think you had said that earlier to graduate. Yeah. So everybody in your family must be glowing and so happy. So anyway, yes. from all part, Caitlin, have a good night. Bye-bye. Thank you. Have a great Thank night. You.